You can either work in the business or you can work on the business. They have the knowledge and the skill to be successful. Yesterday is gone and tomorrow has yet to come. Dive all in on the next chapter of your life. Welcome to the ProServe podcast with Collective 54, a podcast for leaders of thriving boutique professional services firms. For those that might not be familiar with us, Collective 54 is the first mastermind community dedicated entirely to the needs of this unique group, folks that are leading boutique pro-serve firms. My name is Greg Alexander. I'm the founder, and I will be your host today. On this episode, I hope to make you aware of a really big risk, and that risk is called key employee risk. And simply stated, what that means is As a small service firm, we only have X number of employees, so each employee's contribution is very important. However, we also probably have the 80-20 rule, which which means 80% of the value, so to speak, is generated by 20% of the people. And sometimes one of those great people walks right out the front door. And when that happens, it can have a disproportional effect on a small firm, just because the law of numbers would say so. Now, there's lots of things we can do to mitigate key employee risk, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And we got a fantastic role model, someone who lived through this and is thriving as a result of it, which is somewhat counterintuitive, but that's why she was chosen for this show. Her name is Kim Kramer. Kim, it's great to see you. Thanks for being here, and please introduce yourself. Hi, Greg. Thank you. And thanks, everyone in the Collective 54 community. I certainly have learned a lot from watching everyone else um, describe the journey they've been on. And fortunately for me, um, Collective 54 helped me navigate my key man risk journey. So a little bit about myself. I'm Kim Kramer, founder and CEO of a boutique firm called Waterhouse Brands. We were formed in 2017 and Our focus is on helping life sciences companies build, define and build their corporate and their employer brands. Uh, We launched based on what I saw as a key gap in the market, which was for a brand communications firm that could really do more than just come up with a logo and an identity and a website. It was really about telling a company's scientific story in a way that put their most valuable asset, which is their employees, at the center. Mm. Um, Science is complicated. We've spent a lot of time and helped these companies really translate that science into English that Wall Street can understand. (laughs) And what we found is that so many companies just really focus on investors and they focus on partners and they focus on patients, right? All the players in the health ecosystem. But the last and the bottom on their list was employees. And so we wanted to come up with a solution based on a methodology that we had created called Align that helped these companies feature their employees and build a culture that enabled them to go not just from great science and innovation and smart team, but have a culture that helped them become a successful, well-executing business. And so that was the genesis of Waterhouse Brands and really put my close to 30 years of experience on the corporate and um, agency side in communications and brand marketing in an industry that I've basically grown up with, Mm. love biotechnology. 
put it all together and put it to work. Well, very good. That was an outstanding description. I can tell you're very good at your craft. Um, I have a clear definition of, uh, of who you serve and what you do and how you do it and how you do it differently. So that was really, really good. All right. So I'm going to ask you to tell us a story. I understand that you suffered from key employee risk, and I'd love to hear you know, what happened um, you know, to the extent that you're willing to share it sure. and, uh, and how you dealt with it and the lessons learned along the way. Sure. Well, like many startup boutique consulting firms, um, our early growth strategy and build the team strategy was based on tapping our network. It was about who did we know who had skills and experiences that could help us take our services and um, bring it into defined categories um, in terms of employer brand, having a competency there, in terms of um, digital brand and activation. And so we put together this team based on our network. And one of those people was more of an operations person. So we, if you follow the EOS methodology, um, like we've been trying to, you know there's a visionary, and that was kind of the role I serve. You know that there's an integrator, and my co-founder, who um, is more of a linear thinker and kind of gets stuff done, um, she really served that role in helping us build out our client services competencies. We had more of an HR person who was really helped us spin up employer brand. And then we had the manager of operations, who was more of a jack-of-all-trades person, but she was so competent and so efficient that I just let her do everything from financials to um, our HR operations, so onboarding, offboarding, manuals, benefits, comp, all of the different um, aspects of a business that in the earliest of stages, you're trying to you know, fill those boxes. So that worked well for a while. We went from 2017, where we were consultants, to 2019, making the decision to scale smart. So every year I have a theme. Mm -hmm. um, and scale smart was converting from independent contractors to FTEs. And she took care of all of that. Mm -hmm. um, 2020, just in, as we coincided with the pandemic, we had a theme of play bigger. And that was really about owning and amplifying what made us unique in our industry and in our as a service provider. And we were fortunate that we were able to really expand our, our client base. And with everyone working from home, you know, we were very well utilized. We were building, <laughs> we had not much else to do, but work and drink in our off hours. <laughs> and there weren't many of those, right? Yeah. So Fast forward, we we had a banner year in 2020. Um, we grew our revenue by something crazy like 38% top line growth. Wow. And profitability was strong too. And then we got out a little over our skis. I would say that the the there were tensions in the system in all levels of our organization. Our ops person felt like she should be the COO. Um, our HR person didn't feel like, you know, she really wanted to work on the business and in the business, but we didn't need a full-time HR person. Um, so we were starting to just kind of 
I think we were all going crazy from the pandemic, frankly. But I'll get to this key man risk and what happened in just a moment. In 2021, um, our year of going from play bigger, hey, we did it. We added all these clients to now let's level up. Let's go to scale. Let's figure out how to hire some more people to help um, increase our capacity and service clients. Well, we made some really dumb mistakes in 2021. We hired, um, I'd say, four people, five people that were experienced, but they weren't right for the role. We didn't know what the roles should be. And as a result, as the wheels were falling off the bus at a leadership team level, and we were hiring more mid-level manager people and people to do the work, um, it wasn't working. There was culture. They were the wrong people for the wrong for the roles, um, and so we had to take a giant step back. We let go of three key people, including the head of HR, who was also working on the business, and that had a devastating ripple effect. And then things really came to a head with the ops person, and we parted ways, and we let another senior person go who just wasn't able to hunt. They were great at doing one thing and one thing well, and that was it, but that wasn't the role that we needed. So long story short, um, as this was going on at a leadership level, culturally, the the more the worker level, um, there was a lot of negativity, toxicity, and drama. So we had to really press the reset button hard, and 2022 became all about the theme of right-sizing. And so I'm happy to report that Although we had key man risk in these two, several departures, but the HR and ops person departed, um, what happened to me was that I ended up picking up the slack, me and my co-founder. So I would have given myself a B at best on a good day of how I can do operations. Um, It just wasn't really what I was born to do. So... I'd say that going through this transition, we decided we needed to um, diversify. We hired an outsourced finance firm, which also had a bookkeeping arm. We professionalized our HR capabilities by hiring a outsourced HR business partner. And we got a great employment law firm to help us (laughs) structure things correctly from the get-go. And so now we're in the mode of coming off of a year of, we're not going to focus on growth, although I'm happy to report that even with not focusing on growth and while bumbling along through the year, doing HR and ops on my own with my co-founder, um, we had achieved 20% top line revenue growth through wow. our profitability by 3%, an additional 3%. And we had made the decision by the end of the year to hire in-house a director of finance and operations. And lo and behold, today's his first day. Oh, wow. And I think he is an example of the purposeful process that we put in place to make sure we knew exactly what the role would be exactly what the qualifications and the phenotype and experience should be and had worked with a recruiter to help us 
scour the universe of who's good and get the right fit, not just from a skills and capabilities standpoint, but from a culture standpoint. So the jury's out, but in this key man risk, how do I mitigate this in the future? I'm going to keep our outsource resources. Wow. And so I have that strategic advisor, but he will now be the point person for HR um, operations because he also, in addition to being a financing accounting person, has a advanced degree in organizational development. Mm -hmm. And he Boy. comes from a digital agency. So I don't have to teach him the agency mm. business, which is great. He's a keeper. <laughs> That's a rare combination of skills. So I don't know. I think that may have been too long of a story no, to no. tell. No, no. You kidding me? That was absolutely fantastic. It, so many things that you said in the journey there are going to resonate with our members. And they're, they're going to have all kinds of questions on the Friday Q&A that, that uh, they'll be able to have with you. Um, the, the main thing that I, I wanted to highlight and underline in Kim's story is that this is what happens, right? I mean, rapid growth. And Kim who is obviously a fantastic practitioner in her craft. And when you when a, when key people leave the firm, next thing you know, you're not practicing your craft. You're working on all kinds of other stuff, finance, HR, ops. And guess what? If she was giving herself a B, if I asked you, Kim, were you having a good time while that was happening, you probably would have said, I want to jump out the window. <laughs> right? It's just not fun. Not only is it is it painful, in terms of the business and the drama and you know the toxicity that you talked about. Personally, you're just not having a good time and you're scratching your head saying, hey, why am I doing this? I mean, you had a 30 year career, you probably don't need to do this. So you're doing this for reasons beyond money, et cetera. And, and that's what happened. So the, the solution that she talked about, which is strategic outsourcing, you know, certain functions, I think is a great solution. Um, and there's all kinds of high quality providers out there, many of which are in the collective that you can rent, if you will. Um, and because you're now hiring a vendor as opposed to employee, the vendor has multiple employees. So you've diversified your risk right there. It's a firm, not a person. Um, the other thing that I would, I would mention, and Kim, I want to talk to you about this, is that you know, I just wrote an entire book on this very subject. It's called The Founder Bottleneck, How to Scale Yourself. And it talks about how key man risk in the role of founder I mean, if something, God forbid, happened to Kim, what would happen to Waterhouse Brands probably wouldn't be good. And you have to build a succession plan for yourself, not only to protect the business in the event of some tragic outcome, but also eventually there's other things you're going to want to do with your life. Let's say you want to sell the firm someday. Well, if the firm is completely dependent on Kim, she can't sell it. Let's say she wants to become chairperson instead of CEO or managing partner and work on visionary items as opposed to growing the day-to-day, -day, then someone's gotta be able to do what she can do and what a co-founder can do as well as she can do it. So she can delegate and elevate to use the EOS terminology. So succession planning is so mission critical for the boutique service firm. And it's one of those things, unfortunately, that you can kind of kick the can down the road because it's, you know, it's not a 90-day rock. You know, it's, it's actually a multi-year journey to pull off a real succession plan. So it's easy to just say, I'll get to it someday. And then all of a sudden, one of your key employee quits and you're like, oh my gosh, like I need to get to that now. Or not only is a business going to suffer, although in Kim's case, it actually performed quite well during that environment, but you're going to be miserable in your job. You're going to have to start doing things in the weeds that you don't want to do. So Kim, have you thought about 
succession planning. I know that's a big subject and probably out of scope for today's call, and we'll talk about it more on Friday. But has this taught you anything regarding succession planning? 100%. Um, I, I do think that, I mean, you talk a lot, Greg, about the here being the hero and, and the ego, right, mm-hmm. that comes with as a founder or a leader that nobody can do things as good as I can, so I'm just going to do them, right? right? So I'm past that. I would love to have great people that can do the things <laughs> that I do and do them better. Like yeah. everything you talk about on your Friday calls, Greg, and that you've written about in the boutique and in the founder's bottleneck so resonates with me. So I am in the process right now working with our HRBP on succession planning and really thinking about, um, so this year, our whole theme is about synergizing. Um, Synergizing our team's capabilities. We have diverse mix of people with marketing and communications and digital and design um, expertise, but it's how can we work together smarter and better? And how can we, as a group, look at the kind of work we're doing, the kind of client engagements we take on, and think about where the gaps in the organization are. Um, And not only how can we fill the gaps, but how can we strengthen the the areas where we as individuals all perform well so that we have some relief and some redundancy. Otherwise we'll never be able to scale and we know that. Yeah, exactly. Well said. Okay, we're at our our time window here and I wanna save this rich conversation for the Friday Q&A session, but Kim, you're, you're a joy to talk to. I'm not surprised that your firm is doing so well. Your generous spirit, that story was absolutely fantastic. On behalf of all the members, thank you for contributing and giving back and being here today. Thank you, Greg, for doing the work that you do. You have helped so many entrepreneurs and founders, and I'm really blessed to be part of this community. So thank you. Okay, great. All right, let me give the audience members some calls to action here. Okay, so if you're a member and you're running on EOS, which we fully endorse, we run off Collective 54 on EOS, um, we just wrote a EOS slash Collective 54 integration plan that might be helpful. For example, you know, EOS advocates for running your business off a scorecard, but what should the metrics be? You know, professional services metrics are very different. What should the benchmarks be? We have the benchmarking database, et cetera. So um, go to the Resource Center and download the EOS Collective 54 integration plan. That's one thing. Um, secondly, if you want to you know, start implementing some of the concepts in the founder bottleneck and succession planning, there's a companion course tied to the book that should be out by the time this recording gets released. Um, there's a tool in there called Roles and Responsibilities. I highly recommend you download that and get uh, familiar with it. So those are a couple things that you can do as a member. If you're not a member, your calls to action are to become a member. <laughs> Go to collective54.com and fill out the contact us form and a representative will get in contact with you. If you're not quite ready to join, you can subscribe to Collective 54 Insights. Uh, you'll get three things every week. On Monday, a blog. On Wednesday, a podcast. And on Friday, a uh a chart that talks about some of this benchmarking data. All right. Boy, that was a lot in 20 minutes. I'm, I'm exhausted. I need a break. <laughs> but uh, for those listening, thanks for tuning in every week. And uh, thanks for being here. And until next time, we wish you the best of luck as you try to grow, scale, and sell your firm someday. <laughs> <laughs>